Hi, this is Jerome Gilmartin, JMJ Catholic Radio, bringing local and EWTN Catholic programming to northeastern and central Pennsylvania. Welcome to the In the Father's Hands program with host Mary-Kate Grady. Our guest today is Robert Rogers. Originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, he studied electrical engineering and piano in college, and he went on to work in the field of electrical engineering and was a husband and father of four. Robert's life changed forever in 2003 when he experienced the tragic loss of his wife and his four children in a flash flood, which he somehow survived. This tragedy led to Robert ending his work in engineering and beginning his current ministry of sharing his testimony of how his faith in God and God's grace helped him recover from this traumatic event. Robert is again married. He and his wife have five children, and they live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mary-Kate? Thank you so much, Sherry, and it's so good to be back with you all again. Wishing you all a very blessed New Year 2023, and um, just know, be assured that God goes before us all always, especially into this new year, so make sure to commit your way to Him as we venture into this new year. Um, and before we jump into the program, of course, please um, always remember JMJ Catholic Radio in your good prayers, um, that we continue to spread the gospel message um, and touch many hearts as possible. And if you can in any way um, help JMJ Catholic Radio with donations or volunteering or any such thing, you can give them a call at 570-287-4670. And their address down there in Pittston is JMJ Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 851, Pittston, Pennsylvania, 18640. And as we always do, let us start our program with reading our passage from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 10, where Jesus promises us, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And we ask you, Heavenly Father, please to um, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to always remind us that you are with us and you're holding us um, and that you love us beyond all telling. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. And we're uh, very excited today to have Robert join us in the program. Robert, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Mary-Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be with you. Great. Um, Robert, let's go ahead and jump right in, if you don't mind. Um, I love to ask my guests if they would share with us what their favorite passage from Scripture is and why it's so meaningful to them. Certainly. It's a difficult question for me to answer because I love the Word of God, and I have many passages of Scripture. One of them we just read from John chapter 10. Uh, but I'll narrow it down to two, and I'll give a short one first, and that's okay. uh, Galatians 2.20 which says that uh, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I love that verse because it just really describes the life that we as Catholics, as Christians, are called to live, a life of complete surrender. It describes our identity in Christ, that 
I'm to die to myself. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm not living, but it's Christ that is living through me and in me. And the life I live now in the body, it's by faith. I live by faith alone in Christ alone, in the Son of God. And then we know that we are loved, because it says, who loved me and gave himself for me. And that defines everything that we are as a person made in the image of Almighty God and how we're to operate in this earthly realm in order to bring the kingdom of God from heaven down to here on earth. His kingdom come, his will be done. Uh, but the second passage I'll share is uh, Colossians chapter 1. So both these are uh, letters from St. Paul. And Colossians chapter 1, just three verses from verses 9 to 12. The reason I like this is because I I love to pray scripture. I love to pray the word of God back to him. There's really no more pure form of prayer, I believe, than praying God's very word back to him. And so I've, I'll read it first, and then I turn into a prayer nearly every single morning. Amen. And it's when he says, uh, For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share an inheritance of his holy people in a kingdom of light. So that's sharing with the saints in heaven. That's a great prayer that each one of us can personalize and make our own. And so in the morning, I have a little kneeler right below the crucifix outside my closet and I just fall down on my knees every morning and dedicate the day and rededicate my life to Christ and say, Lord, please fill me with you. Fill me with the knowledge of your will, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That I might live life worthy of you, Lord. That I might please you in every way, bearing much fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of you, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might. That I might have great patience and endurance and joyfully give thanks to you, Lord, who has qualified us to share an inheritance of all the saints in the kingdom of light. It's just a beautiful prayer to say, Lord, I want to be like you like the passage mm -hmm. you read in John chapter 10, mm -hmm. uh, to be one with him. Uh, John, uh, Jesus' priestly prayer in John 17, you, know, you and me, I and you, all be perfected into one. Lord, I want to bear much fruit. The best over here, John chapter 15, Jesus talks all about bearing fruit that will last. And this is how we show we are uh, God's disciples by bearing fruit for him. And so you know, I, on and on. That's the beautiful thing about scripture, isn't it? Like it's yes. if you if you can't think of words to say when you pray, it's all right there. That's right. I, I love it because it's so complete. And you know, the Bible isn't just words about God; it's the very word of God. It's the very voice mm -hmm. of God in print. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I pray in group settings, uh, people say, "Boy, I love that prayer." And I say, "Well, I can't take credit for it. I'm I just plagiarize scripture, scripture all the time." So <laughs> one of the greatest things to do is to memorize scripture. And some people think they can't do it, but if you can say the Our Father. And so many others, you're memorizing scripture. So just take one at a time, and it's well right. worth it. Yeah. Well, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing those with us. Certainly. And I wanted to, um, you know, if we could uh, jump into a little bit of, you know, going off of that passage from the Gospel of St. John, where he talks about the Father holding us in his hands. Right. And I didn't know if you would just share with us a little bit, Robert, how in your own life, you really felt like God has held you in his hands and guided you. Boy, looking back, you can see the fingerprints of God 
all throughout your life. And probably everyone can attest to that in some way. It may not always feel like it at the time. Right. Sometimes you can really feel him holding you. And there's times when the body of Christ across the country has been praying for me. And I'm sure listeners can relate. And you feel as though uh, kind of like uh, Moses with his arms being held up, you know, that the others, the body of Christ is lifting you up truly by their prayers. Uh, but truly looking back, I can see God's hand throughout my life in mighty ways, just preparing me for each event that unfolded and particularly uh, the flash flood of 2003 in, in Kansas that completely changed my life. You know, here I was, um, I grew up a cradle Catholic in Cincinnati. I was an altar server as a child and the youngest of eight children. So I love big families. I always wanted a big family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I studied music for a few years in college and then switched to engineering so I could support a family someday and got my first job out of California. And I had uh, uh, married a girl from Kansas that we met in Boston before I graduated. Uh, I was playing the piano at a sidewalk cafe. We met and fell in love over a big ice cream sundae. And I asked her to marry me on a riverboat in Cincinnati on New Year's Eve. And she said yes. And so one year later, we married in Cincinnati on New Year's Eve. And we moved to California with my first job offer from Silicon Valley. I was working in high tech industry okay. in the San Jose area. And um, and God bless us with uh, one child out there. We named McKenna. And then we endured a very tough miscarriage. And that really tested our faith. But looking back, we could see God holding us through that time that Melissa nearly died. and She lost half of her reproductive organs through an ectopic rupture. Wow. Uh, but we thought it's going to be that much more difficult just to have children, at least twice as difficult going forward. But mm. we could sense God's presence through all that ordeal, and it really stretched our faith. And each time, each one of us has trials. It's an opportunity to either turn your back on God out of spite or turn your face to God in faith. You know, to either shake your fist at God and blame him over what was lost or to open your hand to God and say, well, I thank you for, for what I found, a newfound dependence upon you. Or really to approach God with open hands, to give whatever it takes and take whatever he gives. And that's a tough thing. But when we do that, we really wind up placing our life in his hands. We feel his hands around us through those difficult situations. And so um, after five years of California, we moved to Kansas City. And uh, we bought our very first home and gave birth to our very first son. We named Zachary, and he was born with Down syndrome. So a lot of challenges throughout his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And then another son named Nicholas, and then another miscarriage. And so each one of the, each child's birth, we had mis- we had a C-sections for almost every child and challenges along the way. Sure. And um, but then we decided to go down the path of adoption, and that was a beautiful journey of love, uh, where we just had these tears rolling down our cheeks after the first initial meeting at the agency. We knew this is we knew this was for us. And so less than a year later, we were on a 747 flying to Beijing, China, to adopt a precious little special needs orphan girl. We named her Alina. And boy, uh, for any listeners who have experienced adoption or are considering adoption, I'd say to go for it because you really experience uh, the father heart of God that uh, mm. he holds us in his hands. And we're all orphans because of sin. But the Bible sure, says we absolutely. become adopted sons and daughters as we come to Christ. And so... We had a beautiful family, two boys, two girls, two of them with special needs. Uh, life was tough, but life was good. Um, and then in the summer of 2003, after a relative's wedding in Wichita, Kansas, on our way home, we were slammed and inundated by this fra- flash flood in the darkness that seemed to come out of nowhere. It was a torrential rain, but it overpowered our van. And 
plunged us into this deluge along I-35, the Kansas Turnpike, and the floodwaters were just overwhelming, and it flushed me and my wife and our daughter out of our minivan, and somehow I washed along the shore, and even before I was washed upon the shore, I was tunneling in the water like a like a rag doll in a washing machine. I couldn't see, I couldn't breathe. I was ingesting wow. the floodwaters. I was drowning. I was dying. I, mean, I, I had no control whatsoever. But Mary Kate, even at that moment, it felt as though I was in the hands of God. It, strangely, it felt very peaceful. And that mm -hmm. sounds completely backwards. And but anyone who's had a near-death experience can probably relate that God was there, even at that moment of life and that moment of death where you feel all is ended. God is there. It's much like that song we sing. Though you pass through raging waters and the sea you shall not drown. I am with you always. Be not afraid. And so I felt as though we were all, all six of us were going to heaven. That he had his hands around all six of us, just lifting us up out of the waters. But somehow I was washed ashore. I, I don't know how. But truly by God's grace are you and I talking today. Uh, this is God's doing. He's God and Absolutely. I am not. Yeah. Uh, but I was washed ashore and I very slowly made my way back to the freeway and I was slipping and sliding. I had a crossover barbed wire fence and I saw the flashing lights and they put me in an ambulance and began a search and rescue for the rest of my family. And as the next days unfolded, they came to me several times as they found my family members. First, they found our three youngest still in their car seats in a minivan. They said, Robert, they are dead. And we'd ask you to identify their bodies. Mm. And that's every parent's worst nightmare. Yeah, and I just sure. collapsed over each of their bodies and stroked their wet hair and cried and groaned and wailed for my gut like I was going to throw up again. And then they found McKenna just a short distance from a minivan, our oldest daughter. And uh, she apparently caught on a barbed wire fence. And I had to identify her. And for days we prayed and hoped they would somehow find my, life, my wife, Melissa, okay. But on the third day they found her her body two miles from the freeway in this retention pond that had tripled in size from all the floodwaters. Wow. I, I had to identify my wife of over 11 years. And so what do you do? Where do you run at a time like that when your whole life is completely turned upside down and even ended as you knew it? Mm. And I could only say it's by the sheer grace of God and the power of prayer and our faith that I was able to continue. Our, our faith didn't take away my pain. I, it still hurts. I still cry and I still grieve. I still miss him. But I still trust God. And it just gave me such assurance knowing that our children and my wife uh, were members of the body of Christ, that they knew Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their King, their everything. Yeah. That he held them in the palm of his hand. No one could snatch them out of the, their, his hands. They would never mm -hmm. perish. And that verse from John chapter 10 gave me such comfort that even though their bodies had died, and even though the pain is excruciating, death truly has no sting. The grave has no victory because they are truly more alive now than they ever have been before. And they're in the presence mm -hmm. of Almighty God. And so that's a blessed assurance, a blessed promise to each one of us that we grieve, yes, but we grieve with hope because we're in the Father's hands. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for sharing that, Robert. That's, you know, that's, that's very heavy. That's that's heavy stuff, you know. That's that's what our life is. You know, when you mentioned the beginning of the program, the quote from St. Paul about um, being crucified with Christ, like that's what that is, you know. Right, exactly. 
Yes, each one of us has a cross to bear. And um, some people have said to me, Robert, oh, my loss isn't as bad as yours. And I always try to stop them and say, no, no, every, every loss is uniquely devastating when you're the one going through it. Sure. Whether it's one, whether it's five, whether it's a parent or spouse or child or a grandparent, you name it. Whether it's a loss of a family through the living death of divorce. But through it all, we have a great opportunity to know the heart of God, to know the heart of Christ. As St. Paul said elsewhere, that uh, I long to know him more in the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. So as we allow our self-will to be crucified and take ourselves off the throne and put Jesus on the throne of our hearts and our lives, then we can truly say, I no longer live. It's not I, but Christ lives within me. And so this life I've lived now, I live by complete faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah, wow. So, Robert, what, what kind of where, where, had, where had the Father, you know, if the Father is holding your family in his hands with him in his kingdom and he's holding you here, still here, um, so what kind of, what has he led you to do out of this experience? And, um, you know, you're, you're on your journey home to the Father. You know, you're still here, mm-hmm. but you're on your journey. And um, what, what, what's he having you do with that journey in your life now? Right. That was a big question I had after the flood because here I was a single guy and I didn't know what to do. And I tried to go back to engineering for just a few weeks, but it felt like a shoe that no longer fit. I never had a great passion for it. I could do it well and I was a good student, a good engineer and all that. But my passion was my family and I'm also a musician. So I, I poured myself into music and that really helped me to heal a lot as well. But I just said, Lord, here I am. I come to do your will. Here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. Again, great prayers of scripture. But Lord, I'm willing and I'm able and available to be obedient to you. So please show me what it is you want me to do. And I I took a long train trip across the country just by myself, all the way to California to kind of retrace the steps we had lived out there and then all the way to the East Coast. And I visited some relatives and friends along the way here and there. Uh, I went to the East Coast where we had vacationed as a family growing up along the beach. And uh, it's just helpful to touch those spots again, but also just to kind of gain my bearings, say, Lord, give me some direction, Holy Spirit, be my guide. Mm-hmm. And even a prayer of divine mercy was such a great prayer. Uh, in fact, even in the hospital there in Emporia, Kansas, uh, as they were searching for our, our family members, and I, I didn't know what to do even before they found any of them. I, I said, Lord, if they're alive, then they'll be fine. And if they're deceased, then they're with you. So either way, their souls are fine. We're going to be okay somehow through this all. And uh, my prayer was divine mercy, Jesus. I trust in you. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I place my trust in you. That's a great prayer for any, all of us every day, truly. All day but, long. Um, <laughs> that's right. You got it. I need it all throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, but uh, people just started coming to me then because uh, there were some media coverage and some of the networks carried it and interviewed me and so forth. And so it got some national attention. And I just tried to display Christ through my words to give the hope of Christ within us that, yes, our hearts are devastated, but uh, we believe what we say we believe, and it's real, and it's a true faith you can believe in. And so people just started coming to me and saying, Robert, could you share your faith at our church, at our uh, school, at whatever it might be, in all denominations and all across the country? I had never done this before, Mary-Kate. I'm a shy, reserved introvert. And Suddenly I was thrust in front of people <laughs> and I just kind of said, oh, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll just come and 
kind of tell our story and just uh, share my faith. I just brought some little poster boards that we had at my family's funeral by their caskets, and I would held up, I would hold up the face of each of our family members and talk about their life or how Melissa and I met to how we had our children. And as I told our story and interwove scriptures throughout and the promises of God and the faith that I was still clutching to, people just started coming up afterwards and saying, boy, that changed my life. I, I'm not going to be the same. I'm going to cherish my family more. I'm going to draw closer to God. I'm going to delve into scripture. Some people say, uh, told me, uh, we're going to adopt now after hearing your story. Or we want to have more children. We don't want to stop the flow of life. And it was just beautiful to see how God turned this tragedy into truly a triumph that this, mm-hmm. this, uh, sad story became great glory for God. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, too, when Jesus said, a lesser kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it cannot produce more seed. But if it dies, it produces uh, a greater harvest of new lives. And so it was beautiful to see that through the deaths of my family, God was bring, bringing new life into other families and other souls. And I just figured, Lord, I just want to scoop as many people with me to go to heaven <laughs> when it's our time. And so if you can bring Great even idea. one more soul, that's right, but even one more soul for God's kingdom. Yes. Then it's been a beautiful fruit from it all. And so I think that first year after my family died, uh, I shared about a hundred times. And people said, what do you charge? And I said, I have no idea. I can't even put a price on it. If I tried to, you you couldn't afford it. It's priceless. It's cost me everything. (laughs) Yeah. So I I, still to this day, I don't charge any kind of fees or anything. I come in complete faith. I don't have an agent. And um, some people give or as they're led and I accept support and it's amazing how God has sustained it through all these years. But I named the ministry after scripture. I called it mighty in the land ministry from Psalm 112 that says his children will be mighty in the land. And we're all called to be mighty sons and daughters of God most high across this land. And so um, the second year I shared about another hundred times or 110 times. And I said, okay, Lord, I, I get the point. This is what you want me to do. So I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. And, um, I enlisted a volunteer board of directors just to help me make wise decisions and to be accountable and so forth. And and here we are, Mary Kate, 19 years later, and I'm still sharing full time. Wow. It's a full time wow. apostolate. And I share oh, parish missions. Great. And it's amazing what God has done. I've shared over 1,300 times the best I can track and over, I think it's 300,000 people in person, and which sounds like a lot. But if you average it out, it's only about 100 or 200 people per visit. And so it's usually just small churches and small communities around the country and little farm sure. towns and sometimes yeah. big conferences and men's conferences and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I love meeting people face to face and just hugging their necks and praying with them and seeing the tears in their eyes and just connecting with them to say, it's okay. You're going to make it. If God can bring a guy like me through an ordeal like this, he can bring you through what you're struggling with. And I'm so right. encouraged by the book of Job. And Job lost his health and his wealth and all 10 of his children, seven boys and three girls. Yeah. And um, he had a lot of questions for God. I love how honest Job was because God was silent for most of the whole book of Job until the very end. But right about the middle around chapter 23, Job saying, you know, I can't figure this thing out. I'm looking north. I'm looking south, east and west. It doesn't make any sense. But then he says in uh, Job 10 or Job 23, verse 10, he said, but. He knows the way that I take. And he's talking of God. When he, God, has tested me, I will come forth as gold. 
And that's a great statement of faith. I mean, how could he say that with all that he had lost? And he didn't have any answers this side of heaven. And the next two verses, I think, give Job's answer, which is a great key for all of us. He says, my feet have closely followed his steps. I've kept to his way without turning aside. I've not departed from the commands of his lips, but I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Wow, I love that. He treasured God's word even more than food. Mm. And all of us should. Uh, yeah. it's We don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. All three times Jesus was tempted in the desert, he started with scripture. It is written. And as Father Larry Richards challenges me and many others across the country, he says, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. In other words, read it in the morning, <laughs> read it in the nighttime. And so Joe, I like that. Just, I like that. It, it's great because before you fill your bowl with Fruit Loops or Frosted Flakes, fill your soul with the bread of life. You know, start with scripture. Even before I look at any messages on the phone or do any of that stuff, before you turn on electronics, just go to the Word of God. I love a paper Bible because you don't have to recharge it. It's always there. You can put the mm. dates on it or unaline words. The Holy Spirit highlights them. Whatever. But it's just great just to bask in the presence of God. And that's what helped to heal me so much. Yeah, those initially especially those first three years after the flood. I went to counseling, yeah. of course, for three years, too, and took a lot of long walks and ate a lot of ice cream and peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> those are all good things. But, <laughs> but kind of like Job, thank God, by the grace of God alone, I, I never did drugs in my whole life. I don't like alcohol. I've never smoked. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any promiscuity or Internet garbage. And, and it, if I had, probably no one would have blamed me. But I just felt, no, I want to honor God. I want to honor my heavenly family. I want to stay pure so I can be an instrument in God's hands for him to use. And so um, he... It's a beautiful testament of the power. Your life is a beautiful testament of the power of God, that he he he's uh, he alone is, in, or God alone sufficeth. I think St. Teresa of Avila said that, and that's true. That's like right. Your life is a testament of how true that is, you know. That's right. Only Christ will satisfy. When you got a hole in your heart through the loss of a loved one or any kind of a trial, only Christ can fill that hole. And uh, as St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until we rest in him because we're made for him. And so unless you surrender to Christ, you're going to surrender to chaos. And uh, people try to fill that hole with substances or addictions or vices, and it's just not going to work. Only Christ can fill. You know what, Robert, I can't believe it, but we're almost out of time. If you wouldn't mind, real quick, before we close out, just to uh, give us your website so if people are interested in um, visiting with you or having you visit their parish. Certainly. It's called MightyInTheLand.com. So MightyInTheLand, that's L-A-N-D, Land.com. And I'll even give uh, my phone numbers on the website, and it's my cell phone. And how many people call me? It's 260-515-5158, 260-515-5158. But I, I'm willing to come. I come freely and uh, share parish missions or churches of all across the country. And so if I can come, I'll do my best to do so. Great. Thank you so much, Robert. You're welcome, Mary Kate. Thank you so much for having me on. God bless you and your ministry. You too. All right. Goodbye now. Till next time, everyone.